You know, every generation has its own buzzwords, uh, has its own slogans. You remember back in the 90s, the slogan and the buzzword was always networking. You're looking for a job, network. You're looking for a house, network. You're looking for a wife, network. (laughs) I mean, we network each other to death. And then came the World Wide Web and swallowed all the networking. But you know, behind this philosophy of networking is this idea that it is not what you know, but who you know. In fact, uh, I remember a story that was circulating about the two buddies who have, one of them was always bragging. Bob was always talking about all the people he knew and all the name dropping that he would tell uh, Ken about. And finally, Ken said to him, Bob, if you're such a hot shot, why don't you call the president on the phone? He said, sure enough. He picked up the phone, dialed some numbers, and he handed the phone to his buddy, and he said, uh, the, some familiar voice came on and uh, said, uh, hello, this is the president. Well, he said, well, this must be crazy. It's a fluke. He said, what about the queen? He said, I know her too. Dialed the number, handed him the phone. Voice, familiar voice came. Hello, this is the queen of England. <laughs> he said, that just cannot be. He finally said, I tell you what, if you're really, really a hot number, call the Pope. He said, no, I'll do even something better than that. Let's go to the Vatican. So they got on a plane and went to the Vatican. He left him down in St. Peter's Square, and he went in. And a few minutes later, there was a hush among the crowd. And there was the Pope in the balcony with Bob. (laughs) And before he can even get over the shock, somebody elbowed him and with a very heavy accent said to him, "Uh, Tell me, please, who is this person that's standing in the balcony? With Bob. (laughs) Well, I want to tell you today about the ultimate means of networking in God's kingdom. I'm going to tell you about the importance of both who you know and what you know. I want to tell you this day that there is a way for you and me to stand in the balcony with the angels of heaven. There is a way for each one of us to be able to stand in the balcony with all the saints who have gone before us. There is a way for each one of us to be able to stand in the balcony next to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to tell you all about it today. And people will literally be asking, who is that who's standing next to you. People who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ will be inquiring, what is happening in your life? Who is it that has done all of this for you? What is it that has transformed your life? Who is it that makes your countenance glow? Who is it that gives you such joy in the midst of your tough circumstances? Who makes you contented in spite of your difficulties? I'm going to tell you all about him today. This is the ultimate networking. 
And the ultimate networking is developing a life of praise. I'm not talking about a few seconds of the day or a few minutes of the day. I'm talking about a whole life of praise. Why do I say that? I want you to listen carefully, please. Because praise is the one thing you do that lines you up with the angels of heaven. Praise is the one thing you do that brings you and makes you perform and do in agreement with what's going on full-time in heaven. Because praise is the one thing you do here on earth is in full agreement with the will of heaven. Revelation chapter 5 verse 12 tells us that in heaven... They are constantly praising God and saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The angels of God, the saints who have gone before us, the creatures, all the created things are praising God in heaven. And when you and I begin to develop the life of praise... We will line up with the will of heaven. Now, I want to ask you to think or ask yourself two questions. Do I delight myself in the praises of God? Do I have a praising life? And the second question is this. If you don't have a praising life, if your life is not full of praise on a regular basis, how in the world are you going to spend eternity praising God? Ask yourself that question, because I can tell you something. If your life is not consistent of constant praise, there's something wrong with your salvation. You may not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh yes, you may be a member of a church, you may be a religious person, but you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ because to know Him is to love Him. To love Him is to praise Him. Now, I hope that you will not let those questions pass you by. If you are not delighted in the praises of God here on earth, how will you be delighted in praising Him full time in heaven? Now, I'm here to tell you today that praise demands change. In fact, praise itself causes change in our lives. Now, I know change is not easy. I know that. I know some of you have a hard time with it. I understand it. I hear from you. Every time I change something, I hear from somebody. I understand. I really, really do. I may not look like it, but I do. Most people don't want change. Most people don't want to be confused with the facts because their mind is already made up. Most people prefer to stay in their comfort zones. I understand that. I really, really do. But I hope that you're going to listen to me, not just with your ears, but with your heart and your mind today because I'm going to help you to change. I believe that with the power of God, the Holy Spirit, you will be a changed person today if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. In fact, I was thinking about change, and I read this week a story about a woman who has perfected hypochondria to a fine art. (laughs) You know what a hypochondria is? Is it when you're really well, but you think you're sick? I mean, she absolutely perfected it to a fine art. 
And uh, I read about uh, how she routinely just suffered from a variety of very exotic ailments. Well, those always designed to get attention. I mean, they really are. They're just always designed to get sympathy and get somebody to notice. Uh, give them a little bit of attention. They will get over it. But two of this lady's dearest friends were talking. And they have tried everything to try to lift her spirits. Didn't work. They tried to encourage her. It didn't work. They tried to help her to change her attitude. It didn't work. And one day they were talking to each other. And one said to the other, said, did not the doctor give her a new medicine? And she said, oh, yes, he did. Well, has she taken it? She said, oh, no, it might work. (laughs) Well, change is not easy. I understand that. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. Praise does work. Praise does work. But you have to try it. (laughs) You have to practice it. You have to exercise it. You have to get into it. You have to begin by a decision of your will and your mind that you will be a praising Christian. Praise will change you. Praise will change you for good. Praise will change your life. Praise will change your attitude. Praise will change your relationships. Praise will change your perceptions. Praise will even change your sensitivities and your desires. You say, well, how can praise change my attitude? Well, listen carefully. I know there are some people who, by nature, have a pleasant and a positive attitude. And I hate them. (laughs) Because they have naturally what some of us work hard at. (laughs) I don't mean that. I love them. I'm just jealous. (laughs) But I want to tell you, attitude makes all the difference in the world. Not so long ago, I remember reading a story about an immigrant who came to this country from Europe in the turn of a century. And uh, he promised his wife and children that as soon as he makes some money, he's going to call for them and bring them in. Well, there's been a while and they haven't heard from him, so the wife sent him a letter. Well, he couldn't read. He never learned to read. So he went to a buddy of his in the shop, and he said to him, uh, he said, could you read this letter for me? Well, this guy happened to be a crotchety and guy who always just say good morning makes everybody mad. And so he took the letter, and the guy started reading it. And here's how the letter went. You haven't sent for me. Send me some money. Sign, Minnie. And the man was angry. I mean, he was furious. He grabbed that letter, and he went out, and he was fuming. He was walking, and he was saying all kinds of, I've done all this, and I've done all this for them, and look what the... Finally, he calmed down a little bit, and he went to another guy in the shop, and he said, could you read this letter for me? He asked thought the other guy may not have read it right. And this particular guy was one of those people who have a wonderful attitude, and he read the letter. Why haven't you sent for me? Please send me money. And the man kind of snuffed back. He said, oh, I'm glad she changed her tune. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your attitude can influence other people. But listen to me very carefully, please. How can praise change your attitude? How can praise change my attitude? When you take time and praise the Lord, you're going to find it nearly impossible, nearly impossible 
to harbor anger and bitterness and resentment and hatred toward others. When you begin to praise the Lord, you're soon going to discover that your negative spirit toward others and your positive spirit toward the Lord are an impossibly to dwell together. You're going to find that they cannot coexist. Oh, you might start sluggish, and you might not be all excited when you begin, and you might not have a joyful attitude in the beginning, but you cannot persist in praise. You cannot persist without your negative spirit gives way to the positive Holy Spirit. You will not be able to praise the Lord deeply, consistently, and persistently without the Holy Spirit breaking up your hatred and replacing it with the love of a loving God. You cannot, you will not be able to praise the Lord deeply, consistently, and persistently without the Holy Spirit shattering your anger and replacing it with the compassion of a compassionate God. You cannot, you will not be able to praise God deeply, consistently, and persistently without the Holy Spirit destroying your bitterness and replacing it with the mercy of a merciful God. It cannot happen. I've experienced that for too long and too many times to doubt it. As I begin to honor God for who He is, as I begin to bless the Lord for the glorious things that He has done, as I begin to thank God for His grace and mercy toward me, as I begin to do this, I find that my eyes move towards the Lord's provision. I find healing for discouragement. I find uplifting for my despondency. I find a cure for my grief, and you will too. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 61. And when you find Isaiah 61, you can put your finger there and then go to Luke chapter 4. Because I'm going to tell you a secret about those two passages. (laughs) They are one and the same. They are 700 years apart, but they're one and the same passage. If you look at verse 1, beginning at verse 1 of Isaiah 61, there's a prophecy there, and it's a prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does the Lord Jesus Christ do in Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 18, actually a little bit before that? He goes into the synagogue, and he picks up the scroll, that's the Old Testament, he picks up the Old Testament, and he will open it to Isaiah 61. And he begins to read it. And then he says to them, after he finished reading it, this has been fulfilled in your ears. Now, this prophecy, 700 years earlier, has been fulfilled in me. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 61 of the book of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. Bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prison door for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Look at verse 3. To comfort all who mourn and provide for those who mourn in Zion. 
to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of sadness. Listen to this one. And a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. Now, in your Bibles, I want you to underline garment of praise. I want you to underline that. Garment of praise. I'm going to come and and contrast to you the garment of praise and the spirit of despair. I'm going to contrast because Jesus does, the Bible does, the Holy Spirit does, God the Father does. So I want to contrast them in a minute. But I want to tell you a couple of things about garments that you already know, but I want to remind you about garments. You're not born with garments. (laughs) Garments are things that you yourself put on. They may be given to you, but you have to put them on. If I come to you and hand you a magnificent garment, a jacket, or a sweater, that maybe cost me $1,000, and you look at it, and you smile, and you're being polite, you hate it, so you take it, you put it on a coat hanger, and put it in your closet. said, I wish you'll have a better taste next time. Or you can take it and you fold it and you put it in a drawer. Now, I want to tell you something. Garments are not made to be folded and put in a drawer. Garments are not made to just hang in a closet. Garment is something that you must put on. Garment is something that you, on a regular basis, have to wear. A garment is something that you must choose to put it on. What about the garment of praise that the Lord is talking about? It is given to you. It is part of your heritage. It is offered to you by the Lord. It is part of your salvation. It's part of the package, if you like. It belongs to you. It's available to you. It is at your becking call, if you like. But you are the one who have to wear it. You're the one who have to put it on. And nobody can put it on for you. I remember our kids when they were little. Our kids are always independent. They really do. We train them to be independent, I guess. But particularly our youngest, Jonathan. I haven't asked his permission, but he'll forgive me. But when he was two and three and four, we would try to put a, you know, some certain clothes on him. And he wanted exactly what he wanted. And we want him to wear certain clothes. And we force it down his head. <laughs> Parents, I know you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and the rascal, as soon as we put that thing on, he just runs out there and takes it off. He's just not going to put that thing on. Now, I want to tell you something. In the same thing with garment of praise, nobody can force it on you. You have to choose to put it on. You see, nobody can do praising for you. You must do your own praising. You must choose to be a praising man, a praising woman, a praising boy, a praising girl. You have to make that decision yourself. Nobody can make it for you. You see, true praise is like a river that flows from your heart. And what feeds that river is your gratitude for what God has done for you, for His greatness, for His goodness, and for His mercy that He has shown you in Christ. Hear me right on this one. The Lord gives us a million reasons to praise Him. And then the Lord gives us a desire to praise Him. And then the Lord responds to our praise with more blessings and more rewards. What more do you want? But, you're the one who have to do the praising. You have to move your lips. 
Because if you remember from the last message, it's out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, the lips move. You're the one who must stay wrapped in God's garment of joy. You're the one who must keep on keeping on that garment of praise. Does that mean you're never going to be tempted? You're never going to get discouraged? You're never going to feel... No, 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 I don't mean that at all. But when you are putting on the garment of praise daily, regularly, moment by moment, what's going to happen? Every time the enemy comes in and he offers you the garment of despair, you're going to tell him, buzz off, Satan, I have a better garment. Every time you are tempted to put on the garment of discouragement, refuse it because you already have the garment of praise. Tell the enemy, when you get used to silk, who wants Hessian? Buzz off, enemy, and he will run up from you because the Scripture said he will. The second thing I want to tell you, I want you to notice about the garment of praise is this. The Lord contrasts the garment of praise with the spirit of despair. In the construction of the sentence, they stand in contrast to each other. In the Old Testament times, the spirit of despair led a person to tear their clothes. They ripped the fabric of their garment. Why? It was a sign of deep sorrow. It was a sign of a broken spirit. It was a sign of being emotionally undone by intense sadness. Let me give you some examples. You see it in 2 Samuel chapter 13, where Tamar, the daughter of King David, who was raped by her half-brother, the Bible said that she tore her ornamented robe in despair. You see it in Job chapter 2 verse 12. Job's friend tore their garments. You see it in Ezra chapter 9 verse 3, where Ezra tore his tunic and his cloak over the unfaithfulness of the Israelites. Listen to me, please. When Jesus sat in the synagogue, as you see in Luke chapter 4, reciting Isaiah 61, here's what he's saying. That this prophecy has now been fulfilled in me. And therefore, here's what he's saying. He's saying, in me, you can exchange your torn garments of sadness for the garment of praise. Jesus is saying that in my name, you now can replace the garment of despair with the garment of praise. In me, you can throw away the garment of sorrow and be cloaked with the garment of power and healing and forgiveness that I have for you. That's what Jesus is saying In Luke chapter 4, in me, you can cover the nakedness of your discouragement, the nakedness of your despair, with my beautiful garment of praise. Now, my beloved friends, I want to tell you, this is the ultimate in networking. This is the ultimate in not only knowing who, but what. It is when you lift up your eyes and you lift up the name of Jesus, He lifts away the cloud of discouragement. It's when you move your lips with praise to the name of Jesus that He moves upon you with power and strength 
and joy. It's when you fix your eyes on Jesus through praise that He changes your desires. He changes your relationships. He changes your attitude. He changes your perceptions. He changes your sensitivities. I want to give you a true example of how despair can turn into joy through putting on the garment of praise from the history books. George Frederick Handel. One day he was sitting alone in his room. He was so in despair about his life and his future. He was so down that he thought that maybe death is the only answer. A few days earlier, his orchestra was thrown out on the streets. The next day, he himself was jeered in a concert hall. And he was absolutely sure that he is nothing but a failure. Nothing left for him but to shut everything down and leave London. He was at 56, around 56 at the time. When while he was in that spirit of despair, and the spirit of despair was so heavy that he would choose death, A knock came on the door. In the midst of his desperate thoughts, those thoughts were interrupted by the friend who came in with a manuscript with an oratory, oratorio that he has written, and he asked Handel to write the music for it. He was so discouraged, he couldn't, didn't even look at it. He says, no, I can't do that. And then the man persisted, so he looked at it again, and and he saw the title of it was Messiah. And as he read the opening pages, love for the praise of the name of Jesus covered him all over. And he immediately began to work, and for three consecutive weeks, uninterrupted, he wrote the music to what today we call Handel's Messiah. Not a king or a queen in England has ever attended the reciting of the Handel's Messiah without standing up in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And thus, the spirit of despair was replaced with the garment of praise into the spirit of joy. In fact, Handel is buried at Westminster Abbey, a place that is only reserved for the mighty and the powerful. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you are gracious beyond our human ability to comprehend. It's in our foolishness and ignorance that we do not understand or ignore your graciousness. May this day be a day in which we will begin to comprehend how gracious you are and how worthy to receive all honor, glory, majesty, dominion, authority, and power. Not a few minutes of the day, but every moment of every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.